In this episode of Next Best Customer, we have Chris Walker, the CEO at Refine Labs. Really, really excited to have Chris on. He's awesome. If you're not following him on LinkedIn, you absolutely need to be. You just got some really good thoughts about everything B2B sales and marketing. He's an expert in a lot of areas, but his strategy around how you drive opportunities, how you nurture leads, and what that looks like is very different than what you typically hear and different models that most people are pushing right now. So with that, let's dive into the show. Hey everyone, it's Blake Johnston with Next Best Customer. Thanks for joining us today. Really excited to have Chris Walker, the CEO of Refine Labs today. Chris, how are we doing? Doing great. How are you? I'm doing awesome. Happy to be here. Yeah, the uh, uh, Chris and I were chatting just a little bit for, uh, before about kind of our backgrounds, both starting in e-commerce. And those of you that don't follow Chris on LinkedIn, absolutely do. You're just you're putting out incredible content. I was uh, I was joking with my co-founder like on our weekly newsletter. It just happens to be like a, a, a Chris and Refine Labs show every week. So just love the content you're putting out. Yeah, I really appreciate that. And as I, I've reflected back a lot as to trying to, to think about why the content resonates so much. Um, and I think there's a couple things that are unique or that I could share. The first one is that like having, having such a detailed view of doing all the work is necessary, right? Like I think a lot of people talk about things in theory, but don't, haven't actually done all the things to know exactly what they're talking about. Yeah. The second one that I think is more interesting is actually that when I was working in um, in a lot of different companies, I worked at companies that resisted a lot of the things that I wanted to do. All the things that other people are struggling with, can't get more marketing budget, can't get more marketing hires, hiring too many SDRs when they should be putting money back into marketing, hiring more sales reps when they don't have enough demand to support the sales reps, all these, why should we run Facebook ads? It's a B2C platform, let's not run Facebook ads. All these pushback that I get from executives everyone is dealing with the same stuff. And so over four years of having to try and figure out how to talk through with an executive at a business level conversation, why we should do these things. And then having the data now at working with across 15 different SaaS companies and seeing what the impact is when you actually do things this way. Now I, I have the opportunity to speak authoritatively in a very educated way from experience. Yeah. Well, it's super interesting, especially if you think about e-commerce, right? Like where you said, you know, you started, um, that's how I learned, you know, digital marketing as well. Um, when you think about e-commerce, there's, there's, you know, no gray area. It's like, you know, either they bought it or they didn't, you know, there might've been people who left it in the shopping cart or did other things like that, but it, there's no gray area. And when you get into B2B, everybody has an opinion. It's like outbound, everybody has an opinion. Inbound, everybody has an opinion. But if you can take a step back, and I, what I love about you know, your message is like, let's, let's look at the revenue, but we can also look at you know, conversions. We can also get a little bit more specific as well. Um, and uh, you know, uh, if you're doing the right things over and over and over, it just typically ends up working out. Not everything's 100% measurable. You know, it's just, it's, it's, uh, it's so different in B2B than it is e-commerce or something that's a little bit more transactional. Yeah. I think there are a lot of, uh, a lot of similarities and a lot of differences. 
Um, one of the key differences is just how the overall organization thinks about marketing, right? Most B2C companies are marketing first, yep. right? Um, almost every B2B company is sales first. Like now we're starting to see some trend where people are going product-led and product-led in a lot of cases is marketing and product-led because you got to get someone there, right? Um, and so I, I'd like to see that that transition. Um, however, the the sales-led mindset is really hard to break with executives in these companies, which is trans, like forcing transactional marketing to conversions and metrics that don't necessarily matter because they're measuring on volume like they would a traditional outbound sales model. Um, and so having seen the the impact when you actually take a step back and say, okay, if I'm marketing and I'm not driven to pull someone out of a funnel so that we can sell them something or have our sales rep essentially go outbound, right? That person's not ready. So yep. instead of having having them convert on an ebook and then pass them to sales, what if we had to educate them and create such an affinity to our company and our product and our message and our aspirations that they come in and they're basically ready to buy. Right. Like this is a, this is a very simple inbound model. We use a different, like I think a lot of people, when they think inbound, they think SEO, like we actually do no SEO. I don't, I don't need to. I think that in 2011, a lot more people were searching. I think a lot more buying decisions are being made elsewhere today, specifically yeah. social social, whether that is someone messaging someone and saying, hey, like you should check out this or I post a video and then someone comments and they're like, what product should I use? And I say HubSpot, like that's how decisions are made now. I think a lot of people uh, think that search is more impactful than it is. Yeah. Um, and so inbound to me is how do you create a sales conversion, which starts a buying process for someone through any, uh, any methodology of them coming to you? Yeah. Yeah, makes makes sense. Uh, I, I think it's funny that, you know, when you talk about working through like a, an organization, especially that's sales focused, that a CRO, a CRO role was created to kind of bring sales and marketing together. But that CRO role is 95% of the time filled by a v, VP of sales that just moved into CRO and now owns marketing too, but they know nothing about it. Like, absolutely zero about it the cro is kind of just like an extra level of sales that you're that you're fighting with um in many times yeah so we could talk about this for five hours <laughs> and i would be happy to because i don't have anything on my calendar afterwards um well a lot of people think that the cro role is going to somehow create more alignment between the teams i actually i'm, I'm not a buyer of that role specifically for the core reason that you said, which is 95% of the, the time is going to be filled by a former successful VP of sales that knows nothing about marketing. And what's going to happen in that case is they're going to drive their marketing to only do sales focused activities, which is what you see at companies that then start to implement them is and a divide that I think people should really think about as a marketer is when you're doing marketing, are you doing marketing and brand or are you doing sales? And yeah. so most most sales being ex or most marketing being executed in B two B today is conversion based transactional sales, for sure. And so, so you know, running direct mail to book a meeting is not marketing in my view. Um, running 
you know, there's, there's a million times over ebook conversion to directly pass to a BDR for uh, a cadence running a webinar where the exact same thing happens after the webinar, everyone follows up, every salesperson gets the stuff and follows up with people that have no interest. And in that case, I actually think that you, you have a, a brand negative impact there because the goal of a webinar is to provide value and educate people. And then all of a sudden someone's like, wow, that, that webinar was actually just a front so that they could try and sell me something like it just, I, I think there's a lack of empathy on, on that um, execution in general. Yeah. And so getting back to the, the CRO thing, and I, I, I see this a lot is that, is that people, if there is a marketing team, a lot of times if there's a CRO, they're either going to outsource marketing or if they do have marketing in house, they're going to get driven to do the wrong things. And so I've always felt that marketing sales are separate, distinct functions mm -hmm. that require a, a C-level executive managing both of them who should be reporting up to a CEO that have different goals, different tactics, different objectives. But for some reason, I, specifically, I think it's tech vendors, tech vendors and analysts that are pushing people to combine the roles, which is just going to create one big sales team in B2B companies. For sure. Yeah, you end up with, it's scary when the person that owns the, you know, the entire budget for that group, both sales and marketing, can't answer like really baseline low level kind of marketing questions to be able to realize when things are going bad or not, or when, you know, they have the wrong vendors or just the entire strategy is wrong. If you don't have any oversight or any background knowledge of marketing, um, mm -hmm. you know, and there's also a stigma here, which is that, which is that why, why does the CRO or the salesperson that becomes a CRO is able to lead marketing when they don't know anything about it, but that would never happen in the reverse. Yeah. For sure. You would never, you would never see a CMO in charge of a marketing team, but for some reason, a VP sales could be in charge of a, of a marketing team. And what I see, and I've seen this since 2014, the first time that I uh, worked at a company and there was a vice president of sales and marketing, and he was really the vice president of sales and the company did no marketing. Right. Yeah. I think it, it happens a lot. Um, I want to switch gears a little bit because I do want to pick your brain on something that I think growing companies struggle with and I think is almost impossible is hiring the right marketers. So, uh, uh, you know, so just to give a little bit of background, like hiring a marketer that you don't know without a reference in any way, like just based on resume and all of these things is like the scariest thing to me. Right. I mean, until you're really in the weeds with someone and you see how they think about it, you understand their business acumen, you understand like tactical and project management capabilities. Um, you just you kind of don't know. Like, I'd love to pick your your brain on this because you see so many pieces of marketing. Um, you know, what are some of the things that you see that, you know, really good marketers do and how do you think about hiring? Yeah, for sure. So, so to take one step back, there's essentially the company needs to decide what they need, right? And so there are some companies that have a well-defined ideal customer profile, have a great product leader that's done a bunch of upstream market research and understands how to message the product. They have, if they have the outbound of the sales engine running, you right. pretty much need a demand, you pretty much need a demand gen marketer. A lot of startups though are not in that situation. The situation they're in is that they're trying to figure out how to message the product. They don't have product market fit. 
the product isn't ready. They, they need to go do market research to get the product ready to sell. They don't know exactly who they're going to sell to. They haven't been able to figure that out yet. And if you have that case, you need to go find a strategic marketing leader. Yeah. Ideally, like uh, that some people will call it full stack. Like some people can do both. You're always stronger in one or the other. I can do upstream strategy. I just prefer that someone's already figured that out and then I can go and do my thing downstream. Yep. And so one, decide who you need. Do you need an upstream? Do you need a, do you need a downstream? Do you need some blend of the two and someone's stronger in one or the other? The next thing that startups uh, or just like smaller companies, I would say, really struggle with when they make their first marketing hire is they don't know how to judge whether or not someone's good because they don't understand it themselves. Yeah. And so like that's a, vulner that's a vulnerability to most company founders because most company founders are going to be people that either studied finance, studied um had previously done sales or as a product person like that's pretty much very few b2b tech companies come with a founder that's marketing from marketing it's just the way it is yeah um which is which is very strange if you think about that a little bit more so anyway let's assume that you've kind of like have got those couple couple things down now how are you gonna like figure out how whether or not someone's good um I, I don't, I think I'll, I'll share some ideas. I don't think that there's a one silver bullet. The one yeah. silver bullet that I could offer is you got to have them do a, a project. Like the project will tell you a big, very big story about whether or not they can execute and the project should be fictitious, but re related to the type of work that you need most. Yeah. Right. So if, if you need customer research as the number one thing you need this person to do, then do not give them a paid media project. It just doesn't make yeah. sense. Okay. Um, from there, uh, some of the things that I would try and tease out is how they would measure the success of their role. So a lot of people will say MQLs, web visits, cost per lead. Um, those would be clear signs that I don't want them. Um, I'm looking right. for people to think about this marketing as business metrics, revenue, qualified pipeline generation, sales efficiency metrics like win rate and sales cycle length, customer acquisition costs. Like those are the things that matter to me. Yeah. Um, and the next thing that I would try and dive into is like, what is their strategy? Knowing that like most, uh, most people will probably lean toward things like I'm going to run, you know, Google AdWords and social ads and we'll go to these events and we'll do what you're going to get is usually a cookie cutter answer. Yep. Um, the thing that I would be, the thing that I would be looking toward most today in a marketer, especially one that's doing demand gen, is a brand marketing focus on thought leadership. Um, just because I think that's really the most effective way to get attention and, and close business these days. Yeah. Yeah, it's such a challenge. It's like, uh, and obviously, the, uh, to your point, matters quite a bit. But there's the tactical project management side that everyone that knows good, like they're just good kind of at uh, taskmasters. Um, and I always come back to this, but it's like that business acumen piece is, is huge. Uh, you know, one of the things um, we've done from an interview perspective is uh, uh, pick a bunch of different random industries and ask how they would do things in, the, in those industries. Like just to get a perspective of like transportation, what do you think they're dealing with? Finance, like what do you think they're dealing with? Just to take a step back mm -hmm. and say, you know, a, uh, not everybody can hire someone directly from their industry and you, you probably, mm -hmm. you know, shouldn't all the time, but that's such a big one just to kind of see how does this all make its way all the way to a sale and what do these people actually care about? You know? mm -hmm. One thing that I've been thinking a lot about recently 
is the idea that companies mainly hire inside of their industry. Mm-hmm. Um, and it would probably be beneficial if they reconsidered that in some cases. So like, I'll give you two, two examples of the exact flip flop. Um, so medical device companies, I've worked in several, would, when they're going to hire a director of marketing or above, the first thing on the requirements is 10 to 15 years medical, de- medical device experience, preferably in the emergency room selling cardiovascular devices. Like, so you're basically in a needle in a haystack there. Like there's one person that has that level <laughs> of experience that's looking for a job in the country. Um, and so I think that those companies would benefit. And so what happens when you hire the, that type of role in the exact same industry is you get homogenous thinking. Everyone yep. thinks the same. There's no, no new ideas. It's just traditional stuff. I'd like to see that company bring in a, a SaaS demand gen leader that's been there for 10 years and flip their company upside down about how they go to market. Like that's what I, that's what I did at a medical device company. Um, and conversely, like B2B SaaS companies are pretty much only going to pretty much only going to hire from SaaS or, or some other tech based industry. Um, and the uh, kind of like gap that I see in most SaaS companies is their marketers only do promotion. There's nothing else about the marketing mix that's there. Yeah. Uh, it's pretty much downstream. And a lot of it's just executing what the sales team tells them to do. And if you go and look at other industries, more traditional industries, marketers are much more strategic. I've worked at companies where the marketing, the CMO leads the go-to-market strategy. They say who we're going to sell to, how we're going to message, how we're going to price the product, um, how we're going to distribute, all these different things. Um, and you just don't see that in, in software companies. And so you have marketers that I feel like you need to have a breadth of experience to be a really good marketer. And most marketers in SaaS, I feel like, are traditionally one-dimensional. The place where they can be successful is if they're selling to somebody like them. So like a marketer selling a Mar- like a MarTech product or a marketer even selling like a sales tech product like might right. make sense. But if you're, a, if you're a marketer selling like a software to physicians and you, only, you don't know any of the strategic stuff to understand physicians better so you can message and all these things appropriately, you're going to struggle because you're, you're not going to be able to be empathetic. Yep. Yeah. Makes a ton of sense. On the lines of hiring, uh, when you think about, um, you know, using contractors or third parties to help the marketing department versus what you should have internally, like I'll give you an example. We don't have the internal capabilities to run paid ads. Like I can set up Facebook ads, but I should not be the person managing them and making the adjustments. Like that's something that you know, obviously given your guys' business, uh, 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 makes sense to me to outsource when you don't have the internal, uh, internal knowledge. Are there, are there areas that you, one, just absolutely don't think you can outsource to a third party? And then the second, are there just obvious areas where, you know, it's easier, it makes sense to outsource pieces of marketing? Yeah. Yeah, that's a really good question. One that I've thought a lot about as I've structured the way that we do business. The things that cannot be outsourced, in my view, are content production. Unless, unless you're outsourcing garbage writing for SEO, long tail SEO, like go ahead and outsource that stuff. It's keyword stuffing, whatever. But mm-hmm. things that actually matter, things that actually matter to people and are going to resonate and be a thought leader, you can't outsource that. You have to go and do that yourself. It's an engine that needs to be happening consistently. Like imagine if I outsourced my LinkedIn content. Would right. it work? Yeah. 
it wouldn't work, right? So like yeah. companies don't think like that though. They're like, okay, we'll just get a couple of writers and post some blogs and everything will be great. That's not how it works. Yeah. Content must be done in house. You must have people that can execute every single day and put out content. Um, I think one of the um, areas that can be outsourced and actually I think a lot of companies would benefit from it being outsourced is content distribution. I think uh, even the companies that can create content and do it very well don't know how to get people to actually consume it. Yeah. Um, that's essentially what we, we, what we, the problem that we solve for, for most companies is they have these case studies and they can't get people to actually read them. Um, so that's one that I do think uh, is outsourceable. Um, I mean, I feel like you could outsource marketing operations and some other stuff like that. Um, yeah, I mean, I, I, I actually don't see it like there's a black and white answer about what you should outsource and what you shouldn't. I think it's more about your internal company and just making yeah. a choice and also the capabilities of the people that you want to work with, right? Like we are technically a contractor or a vendor, um, but we're in company Slack channels. We have an Asana board with them. Like we're basically part of their team. And yeah. so um, I, I really think it's the type, uh, the type of partnership or, thing like that that really matters yeah yeah it makes a ton of sense that the uh you know there's little pieces that are obvious at least from from what i see like if you don't have in-house capabilities on graphics right that's some of that stuff's really easy to to do yeah good, basic, good point basic video ish production i mean obviously you can build that in-house as you get a little bit bigger and you're getting higher quality but just little things that maybe keep you from doing your, you know, some of the more important stuff. You, uh, it did prompt a question though, around kind of hiring as you were talking through that, um, uh, because you see so many different sales and marketing teams. I'd love your perspective on this from a content perspective. You mentioned, you know, everybody should be, we should be putting out content on a daily basis. When you think about salespeople and sales hiring, your resumes back in the day used to be like, you know, I was in president's club and I did this and I moved from this to that. Uh, and there was no real sense of whether they had a presence on LinkedIn, right. Or how they could promote or some of those types of things. Um, and I, you know, I've been thinking about it cause you know, we work with enough SVPs of sales where you see that they have a team of, you know, 15 salespeople and nobody's doing anything like nobody's posting anything on LinkedIn. Nobody's doing a thing. Like, if you're building a company from scratch and you're hiring your first four to five outside salespeople, is it just an absolute requirement that they're posting daily? Like, do you put metrics as a part of it? Like, you know, uh, it's just, it's a, it's an interesting world thinking about how you can bring in new business when it's not just closing and what you've closed in the past. And, you know, are you a good negotiator type things, you know? Yeah. Yeah. A couple of thoughts on this one. Um, the first one is I'm empathetic to some sales reps that their companies either don't allow it, uh, create metrics that don't encourage it or, or otherwise. Right. So like some people just, uh, in order to be a part of that company, it's not part of the culture there. Right. Yeah. So there's, that's one. The second big one is most, if, if you look at how to be an effective salesperson on LinkedIn, you're actually doing content marketing as a way to get sales. Right. And yeah. so most salespeople are not they're not content marketers. Um, the third one is that in a lot of cases, the sales rep does not understand the buyer 
that they're selling to at a deep enough level to even create anything that resonates. Right. Yeah. And so if you look at all three of those factors, no wonder most sales reps aren't having success. The ones that are having success, if you look around, have either become very educated on their customer and good content marketers, or they're right. selling to people that are just like them. Like I have the luxury of actually being both. Like I've done content marketing really in, in a lot of detail for the past seven years. And I'm a marketer It's selling to marketers. So like, it's kind of a, a really nice fit for me right now. Um, and so like, if I was started, if I was going to hire sales reps and I was, you know, whatever, the founder of a 25 person company, um, that would pretty much be the requirement Yeah, it would, that, that you already have an established network on LinkedIn. You have a cadence, you know how to, to write you, you have the right strategy. You can understand p the people that you're trying to target. Um, like, that's it. And, and I think that companies are short-sighted on if they're able to figure this, this piece out, right? So like, if you look at how companies go to market right now, their SDRs are doing a bunch of cold calling, bringing in a bunch of different things into the AEs to do demos or whatever. They're closing at a super low percent. Therefore, they need more SDRs and they need more account executives to do this. But what if you had account executives that could do prospecting throughout their day on LinkedIn by producing content every day, by engaging and doing all this stuff in the middle of their other work. It's what I do. Like I know it's possible. Like I have a full-time job and manage to still put out content every day and answer every comment that I get and all these different things. So I know it's possible. It's just the companies don't want to do it. And it's really hard to hire for that skill set. Um, but I think that uh, for the, you know, sales reps listening here, like if you go into a company, come like in the future and they don't have a good demand gen engine, which you should definitely ask about in your interviews and figure out what metrics to score on and how those things are happening. If they don't, then it's going to be really, it's going to be a huge struggle if you can't create your own pipeline. So like, this is more um, from a rep standpoint, it's like long-term career sustainability and not maybe not even sustainability, just like huge upside, right? Like figure out how to, how to create your own pipeline. I know because I look at audit SaaS companies all the time and I look at the data, AE sourced opportunities close significantly more than SDR sourced opportunities. So why don't you, why don't you source more of those so that you win them at 25% instead of 2%? Like, um, yeah, that's, uh, that's my thinking on that one. <laughs> I do have dreams every once in a while about like uh, becoming an account executive again, just because like, I feel like I have the, <laughs> the prospecting side of it uh, just so down that between marketing tactics and, uh, you know, email and cold and cleaning data and just all the stuff that we do, it's like, really make a boatload of money, find a lot of prospects. Um, Seriously. You know, doing the right thing as like an enterprise account executive. Um, Before the, be, so I've been talking about this since 2015. Um, and haven't found the company that would actually go and do it, but it, it will happen before the end of this year is that a company where they are starting with 100% outbound. Mm -hmm. There's, they have a couple of marketing employees, but all their stuff is sourced out by marketing to support, uh, just supporting the sales actions. Um, so whatever the count is, 10 SDRs and six account executives or however you want to think about it. And within 18 months have no SDRs, account executives are doing their own prospecting on LinkedIn. 
and you have a demand gen engine that's run, generating and bringing in 75% of revenue. Account executives are responsible for the last 25%. And that transition will happen with one of the companies that we work at because I believe that that is the model of the future. I believe that the, the transactional outbound actions are going to continue to decline in effectiveness and companies are finally given the climate, unfortunately, or fortunately, however you want to look at it, is that companies are being forced to look at and audit how inefficient that model is from a customer acquisition cost perspective. It yep. doesn't make sense, but they've been so well funded that they haven't had to look at it. And now all of a sudden the, the bottom falls out and you look and you have to let go of 30 SDRs because it literally just doesn't make economical sense. Yeah. Um, and so, yeah, I mean, it's, it's unfortunate for, for a lot of the people that, um, that are in that position. Um, but it's also an opportunity to think about how do I develop the skills where my career is bulletproof? Um, and so, yeah. Yeah. I'm with you. It's, uh, it's interesting. Just the models, right. will continue to change. Um, and have to change because you can't afford to, you can't afford to do it. I think I mentioned this to you earlier, but you know, the amount of companies that reach out to us wanting to do cold outbound uh, that are in no place, like our messages, don't hire us. Like don't look at anyone else either. Right. Like this is the last thing that you should be doing at this point, you know, and it's just, it seems easy and people for some reason have no problem hiring. Like, yes, we'll add bodies, but they have trouble spending in other areas or putting money into marketing. They think that just practical mm. hires are going to solve everything. Um, well, it's the old, it's, uh, I don't know when, this probably originated a long time ago, right? And so if you can think about, like, let's just imagine it's 1975. Like, if you wanted to grow your company, you had five sales reps. The only way to do it was either to run television commercials or to hire five more sales reps, right? Yeah. And so, and that thinking has continued. It's certainly evolved, but then it got to a point where it's like, okay, now we have to build this predictable revenue model where we have so many people that are low paid doing cold calls all day to book meetings so that all these closers can do demos that don't close very frequently. But since we have so many, we'll just create this massively inefficient engine, hoping that we can get to a place where it's profitable. Um, and that's kind, of, that's kind of where we are right now. Yeah, for sure. Well, Chris, this has been amazing. I, uh, I don't want to take up uh, any more of your time um, and just appreciate the back and forth, right? Like tactical thoughts about how things need to be different. Uh, I really appreciate, appreciate your take. To, to give everyone a little bit of background, obviously you're very active on LinkedIn. I know they can find you there, but uh, tell us a little bit more about, you know, Refine Labs, what you guys are doing and the, the types of customers you help. Yeah, for sure. So I started uh, started Refine Labs about a year ago, and mainly off of the the insights that I saw running demand gen inside of companies and looking at the difference between if you do demand gen well, and the way that we do it is very, very different than how every single company out there would do it. Uh, the metrics that we score, the activities that we have, things like that, then your customer acquisition costs and all those different things can go very, very down from your outbound engine. Yep. And so I just look at companies that are mainly outbound. And if you add this demand gen engine, then you kind of like lower your reliance on outbound. It completely can change your growth trajectory. So that's what we do. 
for companies. You work with companies mainly B2B SaaS uh, that sell complex products more than 8K ACV. Um, and we work with 12 of them right now, the model in different sorts of areas, but paid media, content strategy and content formatting and content post-production are kind of like the core. And then there's some analytics and attribution on the back end. Very cool. And so uh, that's kind of like the, uh, the space that we fill and it's been pretty good so far. That's awesome. All right. Well, thank you very much again. Appreciate it. And uh, yeah, take care. Stay safe out there. Thanks, man. Good to see you.